0: Hello and welcome to another special episode of the GoCast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris, and this time, not even week, because these are so irregular and rare (laughs) and fun. I'm joined by Greg. You might be familiar with him on It's Super Effective or actually a slew of other projects, which I'm excited to ask him about. But without further ado, Greg. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me. Welcome to my wonderful world.
0: I'm so excited to learn I'm more here. about you.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, I
0: have been uh, a fan of it. Super Effective and uh, you on podcasts, I suppose, generally speaking, um, for a number of years now. Uh, so this is kind of... I'm a little starstruck. This is very fun for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. So thank you for uh, being willing and being open oh, yeah, to coming absolutely. on. It's great. Um, my co-host, Kyle, says hello. He's another fan, Hi. but he's, he's he's busy at the moment, so he can't Kyle. get this, but... I know he's he's got to get it together. He really does get it together. (laughs) All right. So for anybody that might not know you or know of you, can you just give us sort of like a quick little elevator pitch? Because you're more than just a co-host on it. Super effective.
1: I am a lot of things. Uh, Depends what you're interested in. So it's funny because it depends on where people what people know me from. I'm always surprised when people say hi to me like, oh, I know you from X. Mm -hmm. So most people who know me the most know me from either writing RPG called Glitter Hearts or from Very Random Encounters. Those are the two things that I have the biggest stake in. A lot of people know me from It's Super Effective, the Pokemon podcast, because I've been doing that for a lot longer than I thought when we talked about the timeline just earlier. (laughs) Like, wow, that's been a long time, hasn't it? Uh, But also some people know me from TikTok now, which is wild because i do magic the gathering content on tiktok oh. i every tuesday I put out a show a, a show a show it's a minute long it takes nothing every time it's called magic the gathering but some people have right up to me because they know me from that i'm like how <laughs> how would you have seen that as like a thousand people that follow me but yeah every once in a while i get that but mostly i know for my rpg work
0: Okay, so so what is, can you elaborate a little bit on this Magic the Gathering thing? Like, what yeah. is the format? What's the idea?
1: So Magic the Gathering is a card game. I'm a gay person. And so I've made Magic the Gathering, where I just talk about weird gay things <laughs> and apply it to magic.
0: That sounds awesome. <laughs> and I do it every Tuesday. Okay, I'm going to have to start. Uh, I have,
1: in. so a lot of people take magic very, very seriously. I do not at all. Like I enjoy the game. I play the game quite a bit, but like my videos are just there for pure entertainment and for me to make weird goofs about Magic the Gathering. I've had people like I learned so much from you and I'm like, "How?" I don't <laughs> I I don't even really talk about the game. I point I mean, I think most people find cuz I search for cards that like people may not have heard of because it's easier to make jokes about them. So some people have like, I didn't even know that card existed. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> also, yeah. since I don't like to spend a lot of money on Magic, it's probably $5 or less.
0: Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Magic is a money sink. It really is. It's not quite the money sink that Pokemon could be. You know, it doesn't have Wizards of the Coast tax. It's not Pokemon tax. Oh, but- you pay say that. <laughs> i played magic the gathering uh for a while on and off you know you get in you're like oh that's right why did i stop playing and then you look yeah. at your bank statement at the end of that month you're like oh that's yeah. why i yeah. stopped
1: i mean playing. you can look at the comparison of pokemon card prices versus magic card prices and they aren't even close <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's true that card. so i play a format called commander which means all cards that have ever been printed are legal Like cards don't go out unless they're explicitly banned. So there are people who are like, "Yeah, I just spent $500 to get this one card to add to my deck. Because it was printed in the early 2000s and has never seen the light of day again. So they had to find somebody online who would sell it to them. It's like, this is wild how much (laughs) they spend money on
0: these things. No, it's true. Um, I I was learning a lot about it, but I was going to FNM. So it was mostly standard for me. And I was like, Oh, standard seems like it's easy to get into because not everybody here. It's a limited set. Commander sounds good. If I wanted to put a lot of money up front and then kind of coast on that for a while, yeah, you can make make one
1: deck and you never have to change it. And you can build a deck. Like the good thing about commander is if you build a popper deck, like if everything is a dollar or less, It is still a viable winning deck, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can spend $50 and have a, a working commander deck and never have to change it from that day forward. That's why that like sounds ideal. Yeah. <laughs> why I like Commander.
0: <laughs> that sounds way like a much better way to spend my time than chasing standard every single like month or two. Like every oh three
1: months. The format switches.
0: Yeah. That's just it's hard to keep up with. It's fascinating though, and the cards are gorgeous. So oh, yeah. I always come back and look at the promos and stuff. Cause y- you know, it's hard to find better art like that anywhere else. Magic's known for it, so. Uh, anyway wow we're already the first thing we're already off on a tangent i'm good at this (laughs) no this is great i'm good at tangenting i don't have a lot of people to talk to about magic with nowadays so this has been refreshing uh but let's hear a little bit about each of the things you kind of called out and i mean of course everybody listening we will be talking about pokemon but let's kind of talk about some of the other stuff first and then we'll sort of end with pokemon so all right right, so the first thing is uh very random encounters the the podcast so why don't you Give me a little bit of a rundown on what that is for folks, and uh, I had my first taste of it today. I'm a little ashamed to say, nah, but I'm like... also proud to say uh, <laughs> that you've now gained a new sub. Yeah, that's what we <laughs> like. I've, I really liked it. So,
1: uh, so very random encounters is a show where we play pen and paper RPGs in which we've randomly determined as many things as possible, including characters, villains, names, places, plot lines, and other wilder stuff. So we play a wide variety of role-playing games um our very first season is Dungeons and dragons because that's what everybody does to get their foot in the door and then we quickly left um what i always say about our show is if there is a genre you like of fiction we have done a season in that genre every season is a different game system every season is a different genre so we've done anime, we've done sci-fi, we've done superheroes, we've done horror, we've done just about everything. So and none of none of them are linked. They're loosely linked. Like they're things that we carry through because it's just us making the show. But I'm sure. even right now, so the season we're doing right now which is Things from the Flood is technically a sequel to Tales from the Loop. Okay. But you don't have to have listened to Tales from the Loop to like everything because we cover all the important things at the start (laughs) like here's who these people are Uh, and then we tell a completely different story so you can jump in at any time Um, we know a lot of people are like I wait until the season is done and then binge the whole thing because Mm -hmm. we have a very strong stance that none of our shows should ever go over an hour and we keep seasons short they're short for actual plays I, I think our longest right now is 21 episodes. Well, we may top it with flood, but I think I'm hitting at 21 for things in the flood.
0: So a season is pretty much just like the entire story within that game system that yeah. you've made. And then so there's no like set standardized uh, length for a season. It's sort no. of just like the very on.
1: first one we did when we did the first season of D&D. I think it was 11 episodes. And then we all sort of agreed that we end the season when the story is done. Mm -hmm. so each season has a varying length like it just it ends when we think okay this is the story you wanted to tell and then we're done
0: yeah that's actually kind of nice though too like i was the dm for my friend group when i was in high school and it was always kind of like uh is this going on too long are they losing interest or not so it's kind of nice to have a sort of like motivation to be like i got to make this worthwhile but also concise and a little organized because of the people are consuming it
1: yeah i mean yeah play playing a role-playing game for entertainment is way different than at home. Sure. Um, And so we are very mindful of how much time we're eating up of people's time, how much time we are eating up of our own stuff. Like each season we could go on forever if we wanted, like we Mm -hmm. love the characters we love, but we really do are like, okay, we have given the system. It's, run we've given these characters a good run and we think okay this is a good ending point and then we end the season and then figure out what's going on next
0: have any of your seasons ever ended prematurely like in your opinion or do you think any of them went along a little bit longer than you thought maybe it should have been i mean
1: i think the d and the very first season probably could have gone on longer but mm-hmm. also i think we were all really bristling against D as a system and as just being another D D podcast,
0: what version were you playing? Five E. Okay, okay.
1: Because that we started in twenty seventeen, I think that that sounds about right. Okay. So uh, I don't think any of them have gone too long. You, if you listen to the horror season, um, I struggled a lot in the horror season. I did some things that acting wise that weren't particularly healthy for my mental state. Um, I sort of messed up a couple of things in that I think the season went well, I think it's a very good season, but I was Mm -hmm. very happy to be done with the horror season um, (laughs) because that was a really tough season to do. Um, Horror is a tough genre to do. Effective horror is really a tough thing to pull off. And I think we did it. I think we did it well, but I don't think mentally and emotionally that was a particularly fun season for me.
0: Are you a, a horror fan outside no, of that I setting? hate horror.
1: Oh, okay. That was gonna be <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah. So like, so some people, everybody has like their different thresholds of what they consider horror or not. So like, is Stranger Things horror to you?
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it, it is. This gener- horror it, sci-fi, right? Like, right, right. It's a mixed genre, and I would say, like, season four started very horror and then slid back into their into their sci-fi antics right yeah like yeah
0: it's like almost fantasy at times yeah, in that show it's very strange <laughs>
1: yeah i mean it, it is it is very it is very science fictiony fantasy once they sort of establish their baseline and i have issues with how they pace their show um but yeah i i would i would consider like i would definitely consider the first half of season four horror and then Really, the rest of it's sci-fi superhero
2: garbage.
0: <laughs> like, 100%. 100%. Like, yeah. Yeah. And more than just the actual superhuman being a superhero. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, that being said, I, I did love that season. It was wonderful. It was very good. I didn't yeah. think
1: it. I just they needed to tighten up episode, the first three episodes way more than they did.
0: Yes, I would agree. Yeah. The the part two stuff, the last two episodes that we got that were like mini movies They were great. Uh, Some of the stuff at the end, I didn't. I thought the setup for season five was felt very contrived. Yeah. But other than that, I think it was solid. But
1: (laughs) I mean, it's a good show, right? Like, yeah, the complaints I have of it are minimal at best, Mm -hmm. like your pacing's not great. And you sometimes don't know what to do with your characters. But other than that, like like a lot of shows, you can kind of feel them struggling to get to the good part like they know what they want to do yeah but then they also have commitments and i think that's what's frustrating with a lot of shows that are like i have a lot of problems with that in a like ms marvel has that problem a little bit like you you can tell what part they were happy in writing and were excited to get to and then there's the other stuff that they knew they had to use as filler And there's not a lot of shows that really strike a good balance that way. But I think these current ones that you can really sort of feel it. You're like, okay, you just want to get to the good part. So do we. So,
0: yeah, it's like the contract is for a 10 episode season, but it should be a three episode miniseries. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially when your last two episodes are basically six hours. Yes. (laughs) Like. Very true. Very, very true. Why? What?
0: I also think that show was just so uh, important um, for its entire run because it introduced us to like, oh, there are child actors out there that really kill it.
1: Their casting crew like lucked out. I mean, granted, half of them were already working actors, right? Like half the kids had been working on Broadway for years already. But I think the way they cast that Stranger Things would fail if their if their acting cast could not do the heavy lifting that is required to do that show. That oh, show yeah. would be abysmal. It's one of the few shows where I can't fault a single a single actor on that show. That's mm-hmm. not pulling their weight. Like the toughest job is they make you believe that that world is real. Right. right. Like the first Thor movie suffered for me because the actors, they got to do the Warriors three. Could not buy into the world. So every time they were on screen, you're like, well, you don't believe the world you're in. And so I'm I'm having a difficult time also believing the world.
0: Yeah, there was a level of assumption there that just was not earned.
1: And Stranger Things from the get go, even from their kid actor, they all bought the world that they were in. And that goes so far in making you enjoy a show. Yeah. Especially a fantasy, weird things are happening show.
0: It can get kind of complicated. And, and yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you have to have enough buy in. Like, do I care enough about this to pay attention? Uh, and the answer is yes for that show. 100 yes. percent.
1: Well, and the actors do the job of getting you to care about them.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, but the thing, though, too, is when I was watching that, I was thinking, like, what if one of these kids was cast? Like, what if somebody else was Dustin and that person was not very good? You know, I feel like well, it, it would have kind of broken it would the fall whole apart
2: right it would
1: it would absolutely fall apart that cast and that show is so tightly bound together like yeah. as I said they lucked out they did they did such an excellent job of finding very good lifelong actors
0: yes and they all seem to like each other you know all the yeah. behind the scenes stuff on social or all they dancing and hanging out and stuff like over the years yeah so that's pretty great. Um, kind of like how the Harry Potter cast was before, uh, they had so many movies and they all changed and all that stuff. And they're all like, okay, we're, we're so sick of this. And
1: their author turned out to be a hot piece of garbage.
0: <laughs> that was before we knew that. <laughs> was was that before it before we knew that? I don't think so. I, I kind of got, I, mean, I, I like didn't pay attention to any of it for the longest you time. until. Harry Potter
1: me. books and you have yeah. any kind of minority, you're like, really, Joanne?
0: That's fair enough.
1: Really? Yeah, really? Yeah. That's the choice you made?
0: That's so funny. I've never heard anybody call her Joanne. That's so funny. Yeah, she Um, doesn't
1: deserve her pen name.
0: (laughs) I agree. I, you know, since having learned about everything when it's put in front of me, because I was like, oh, these are Harry Potter products. I really don't care about the author. I liked the movies. I liked the actors. I read all the books, you know, when they came out because I was younger, too. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. a it's a shame how much that can sour something yeah. that was so important to so many people. Well, it's
1: also it's like me and Pokemon, I always say this. I, came, I was an adult when those books came out. And so when you're an adult and you have a litany of experience, when you read them, you're like, yeah, they're absolutely enjoyable. But boy, oh boy, are they problematic. Just unapologetically did made some choices, lady. But again, kids don't get it, right? Yeah. And it is a it is a staple of kids' products that people still think they should paint in broad stereotypes because kids quote unquote won't understand otherwise. And it's like, A, you're underestimating kids, B, you're taking a cheap way out. And C, you're underlying problematic things that are going to be a part of their experience that they're going to have to unlearn later and they are going to struggle with your book. When they have to unlearn those things,
0: very true. Yeah, this is cementing the stereotypes that I have in my head by by telling me that this the, even my fantasy is filled with the stereotypes that I live with every day. Yeah, like is it truly an escape? No, and it's not a healthy exploration on a full spectrum. <laughs> right? no. That being said, though, there are several great examples of media nowadays, like Shira, the new series. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I ate that alive.
1: <laughs> oh, Shira so is very very good. I mean, as as predictable as it was um yeah, yeah. it it still it's it told that story incredibly well i have my qualms about whether the couple ship at the earth at the end was really earned by the storytelling that they did other than that i think they did a uh, they did a very good job with it um, mm-hmm.
0: i think they unpacked the trauma at the end a little bit too quickly Yeah. I think think that
1: was the biggest issue I had with the ending. Again, it's hard to do endings. It's hard to sort of know, like, yeah, we can, we could keep telling the story forever, but I have to do it in this amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of shortcut a couple of things also because it's harder to remember that their audience also impacts trauma that quickly. Like, teens tend to a have over-exaggerated trauma because you don't have life experience. Just like everything's at an 11 cause you haven't learned what right. a true 11 is yet. Hopefully some people have um, unfortunately, but in general, like you don't have the experience to know what true shades of gray are yet. So those things work better for their intended audience than they do for adults who are like, yeah, there's no way you've got, that would have taken five years to get past that drama, <laughs> believe me. That yeah. level of hurt. But yeah, you're 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 a younger audience. Yeah. That's you'll get over that faster.
0: Absolutely. But even for those minor things, show is spectacular. Oh, spe- um,
1: spectacular show. Super fun show.
0: So it's it's great that we were just sort of unpacking some media too and, and you were talking about writing and pacing and things like that because I want to talk about glitter hearts next yes. and kind of give you a platform to sort of talk about it. So it's a tabletop RPG that you created.
1: Yep. I wrote it. I kickstarted it. So, so it started as a group of friends saying to me, oh, we want to play a Sailor Moon game. And I said, sure. And then I started looking out in the world. I'm like, I don't like any of these at all. So I'm just going to throw something together is what I said to myself. And then after a year of writing, I'm like, I've been working on this for a year. (laughs) <laughs> um, I should probably maybe do something more with this because this is no longer just a set of rules. This is becoming its own thing. Um, And so that I did actually say, okay, I'm going to write this to be a full game. And then if people enjoy playing it, maybe I'll kickstart it. And people did. And then I did kickstart it and I funded it. And then I was all excited because it funded in 2019. The product was ready to come out to ship march 1st of 2020 and i was ready to start doing my tours and that was 2020
0: (laughs) oh geez yeah march 1st that could not have been worse timing
1: i mean i got in before the shipping lanes went completely trashed yeah and i got in so i got my books printed just as the printing company was hat was being forced to shut down so i was one of the last sets of things that got out before they had to go into complete shutdown for three months. So yeah, it hit at a wild time. And then I just, I just couldn't go to conventions. I couldn't go anywhere to promote the book. Um, Luckily uh, I did send it in for uh, the annies, which is a RPG specific awards show. And I got a judge's spotlight for the game. And that really helped get, the game out into the world where I couldn't do it myself. Like I couldn't make tours. I couldn't go to people. I couldn't I couldn't do the normal things you do, like go to conventions and try to sell the book. So Mm -hmm. uh, I was very lucky that I got the award because that brought a lot of people to my door.
0: That's awesome. So then do you uh, now that things are, you know, I, I hate to even say the phrase, but now that things are quote unquote opening up, right? or whatever, however people want to phrase yeah. it, conventions are happening again. Are you planning on making those rounds now, or do you feel like... Yeah,
1: I mean, so I I like, I went to PAX East. Um, The good thing is, is that I no longer have to do the physical publishing. A company called Japanima Games took it over and said, we'll do it. So they go to all the conventions and present my game for sale there, and I just have to show up and talk to people. So, like, I'll be at Gen Con this year, but I don't actually have to actively promote my game as much anymore because I have other vested people who are like, yeah, we want to sell your game. We're selling your game. We have physical copies back in circulation now. So I just go and help tell people, oh, it's here. It's at this booth. I'll show up. I'll meet with people. But I don't have to do the heavy lifting of promoting the game anymore.
0: Okay. One question I, I do want to ask because we mm-hmm. talked about generally the story of you making it and everything so far, but I'm also curious about the content of the game itself. So, like, how would it compare, let's just say, just for ease of something, how would it compare it to something that's more mainstream? I mean, I don't want to use Dungeons & Dragons as an example. I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, but I pulled so up one of the character it, sheets and it was pretty similar looking. Yeah.
1: So it's based off of... So I didn't write the game system. Okay. It's, it's based off of Powered by the Apocalypse, which is a very... Strong, long-standing game system. So, other things in that series are well, one, the Apocalypse game. But people might have heard of Monster, Monster of the Week, Monster Hearts. There's a lot of things that are in that genre. Um, there are a lot of things that I didn't like about that game system, which I corrected in trying to write Glitter Hearts. But Glitter Hearts is a powered by the Apocalypse game, but for magical heroes. So. Power Rangers, Sailor Moon, Voltron, anything where you have that sort of changeover aspect, you can run it with my game.
0: Okay. So like a, a normal human transformation yep. into a powerful being superhero. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. I cool. mean, cool. and
1: you can run She-Ra in it. I mean most of the sure. characters in the most recent She-Ra don't tra- change, but you, you you can def like people have. They're like, yeah, I'm gonna run a Shira ra game. I'm, like, I'm go for it. It's different in that Powered by the apocalypse usually has playbooks. So you pick a very specific playbook. So like monster of the week is based off of things like Buffy, the vampire slayer and supernatural. So they have playbooks. Like you are playing the chosen or you're playing the monstrous, which is you're some sort of werewolf or vampire or whatever. I didn't like that. I like, no, I don't want to do that. So the, what makes glitter so different is that you pick moves from different aspects of your life. So you'll get a move, something you can do from your everyday identity. So who you are in your everyday life. Like whatever, whatever time period you want to play. Like people do high school, people do college, people do 30-year-olds running around who have day jobs. Um, But so you pick that. That is who you are every day. And then you the next thing you choose is what type of magical hero are you? So the five that I went with are defender, witch warrior, tactician, and idol. So, you know, your pop star one. And then the last thing you pick is what are you connected to? So I have a section of elements, your standard elements, like fire, water, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then there's a section for emotions, like happiness, sadness, anger, joy. And so what's different about Glitter Hearts is that you pick one thing from one archetype from each of those sections to build your character. And so from the choices that you make there, you can create your own unique hero because you're picking your own specific moves that you can do from each of those sections. So it -hmm. was important to me, like if you look at Sailor Moon or Power Rangers, each of those types are a warrior, right? They just fight. They don't do anything else but fight. So it was important to me in making my game that if you have five people at your table and they all pick warrior... All five of those will still feel different based off of all of the other choices that they made. So it was important for me to be able to say if everybody wants to be a warrior at the table, they can because everything else around it will make them feel different and unique.
0: Yeah, I would say the real risk with running something that's super modular like that is the balance of it, too. So uh, how how much testing did you do on this? I'm sure that was a, a process because this this sounds incredible. Like that whole idea of having five warriors in a group yeah. and it still works is is something else. Um,
1: uh, I mean, the good thing about powered by, by the apocalypse is powered and underpowered is a lot more difficult to do because it's not it's not a pass fail game. Like Dungeons and Dragons is a pass fail game; you either yeah. succeed. Or you fail. Um, Powered by the Apocalypse is you really succeed. You sort of succeed. Or you don't succeed. And the most common result is you sort of succeed. And since Powered by the Apocalypse is a lot more narrative driven. A lot of the moves change the narrative without having to affect the math of the game. Okay. Um, so the math of the game is pretty light. And so... Some people are like, oh, I've made a character in your game system that that fails at this. It's like, sure. But also. Combat isn't the only thing you should be doing in my game. Like my game isn't a combat focused game. Mm -hmm. You can make it that way. But if you have a person that fails at fighting, here are the four other things that they are allowed to do that will radically change how whatever encounter you're in and that's the point of my game is that a you're supposed to help each other and b combat isn't the only answer and it shouldn't be the only answer here's all the other things that you should be doing and you can build you can you can build characters to be able to do specific things if you really want to sit down and dig through all the choices and say this is how i want them to work or you can just slap things together like and it will still work just fine and you'll still have a very good time with it. So, I mean, I play tested it a bunch. Um, and there's no way to play test everything, but once you have the basics down and you sort of know this is how I want this roughly to work, then you sort of have a rough idea how everything else will work.
0: Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds fascinating because one of my frustrating things about playing Dungeons & Dragons back in the day is I felt that I was kind of on rails. And I, I I tried to design several of my own classes and stuff and it was difficult. It was very difficult in that frame.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a very math-heavy game. Sure is. And D&D <laughs> really relies on their math working and they're not willing to tell you how their math works.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not very homebrew friendly. Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, no, that sounds fascinating. And and uh, I was looking at the store page and, and the description of, of this product before and the game in general. Uh, but having heard you explain a little bit more in your thought process behind it, like I really want to try it now at this point in time. So just for everybody listening, I am going to have links to everything we're talking about today in the show notes. So don't worry if this sounds interesting <laughs> it, it, to you. It'll be there. It'll be there. It'll absolutely be there. All right, cool. And then the the thing that I know you from the most, just because my world is all very Pokemon centric, is from. I mean, uh, so is
1: my. <laughs> yeah. Fair I enough. Mean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, is it's super effective, and you are one of the three hosts on that show. Yeah. So uh, you want to talk about that show just a little bit? How you got involved, and in, and and you know, <laughs> you're still around after you came I'm, on for I'm a while. I'm Still around.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. It's super effective, the Pokemon Podcast is in essence a news show. Like we just cover new we cover all news around Pokemon whenever there is news and sometimes when there isn't. Because we're very, very good at filling time. People are like, how? And I'm like, look, there was a five minute Scarlet and Violet trailer and we did two hours on it, so you tell me <laughs> like we can talk for days. So we talk about all things Pokemon and all aspects of it really. Like we all have our own things that we prefer but we all have enough smattering in all of it that we can at least talk about it somewhat intelligently. I got involved with in the show because I wanted to run a Dungeons and Dragons game set in the Pokemon world. And I had people I'm like, would you be interested And seems like I'm interested, but I then want to record it. So it becomes a show. And so we did a show called mythical that ran for a little bit. Um, and that's how I got sort of introduced to the community. And then I did one guest spot from a Kickstarter when uh, Steve did the Kickstarter a while back. So I did one show back then. And then in sort of all the chaos of people coming and going, I said, yeah, I'll fill in for a while. Sure, I'll do the show. And then I've not left. So (laughs) I've just been filling in for, golly, four years now. Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah, for the length of time that I've been a fan, you have been a consistent host, which is pretty pretty cool. But it's also it's cool to to also hear that that show has had like eras. Yeah. It's really a storied past. For
1: yeah, it's had a long it's got a long history. My era is the best era, of course.
0: Hey, that's that's what I know best, so I'm not going to disagree with you there. So <laughs>
1: uh, I, Depending on whether or not you like me or not, I'm the best part of the show or the worst part of the show. I'm either the most positive person or the most negative person. People can't decide <laughs> who I am on the show.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite things about about that show in general is that all three of you are strong, unique personalities and you don't beat around the bush when you have an opinion about something. But you still frame it in a way that even if you're giving a stark criticism, you're like, this is dumb. I get it. But this is why I think it's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is why
1: I currently hate Niantic. I get it. I don't like it.
0: Sure, no, man. I'm excited to talk about that topic in a little bit here. For sure,
1: <laughs> I got a lot to say about that company right now. I'm so <laughs> mad at them again.
0: Oh yeah, it's um, the pendulum swings with Niantic. I feel like for a lot of people. But one of the things I, w- I do want to say, uh, I'm grateful that you're on ISC now consistently, so that we're like privy to the musical stylings of Question of the Week. It's one yeah. of my highlights. It is.
1: <laughs> I I have to pick my I have to pick my song this week. I haven't even thought about it yet. I'll figure something out tomorrow.
0: Every once in a while, like one of them will just be like so much like it will inspiration strike you because some weeks they're like exceptional. Yeah, you know,
1: it depends on sometimes it's hard because I'll have a song stuck in my head and I'm like, have I done this? Do I care?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Will anybody notice?
1: (laughs) Uh, And people, some people do notice. They're like, you did that one. I'm like, sue me. You come up with something on the spot. I'm literally, I've been talking for an hour and a half and suddenly I have to sing with no warm up. People are like, you don't sing well. I'm like, you tried doing an hour and a half of arguing and then literally there's no show notes. Steve going, question of the week and going, well, what was my song? And <laughs> do I have a voice to sing right now? Right. Sure. Yeah. Let me come up with it. Yeah. It depends on what I've been listening to. It depends on what my mood is. Like music is a huge part of my life just as a way to keep me mentally stable. I find if I don't have, like if I haven't listened to music in a while, I get really squirrely in the brain and I can't figure out what's wrong. I'm like, Oh, I haven't listened to music in a while because music really does calm me down. It gets my head in a good space. It helps me think clearly. It just puts me into a better version of myself. So if Mm. I haven't done it for a while, I get really off. Um, And so I sing all the time. Like it just happens in my life. Uh, I sing to my dogs. I sing in the shower. I sing stupid songs to get me through stressful times. I sing in the car. Like it was just a natural thing for me to do as a part of the show. Like, I don't think I consciously decided to like, this is going to be my bit, right? It's just that it just happened. And I was like, yeah, I'll just sing. Sure.
0: Yeah. it It's really funny because people just like latch on to that. Like, I definitely latched on to that. I'm like, oh, I know exactly where we are on the show. This is yep. fun. This is different every single time. You know, and that's true of other things, but it's it's short. It's exciting. And then that's kind of, you know, that's the thing uh in in an entirely produced podcast that's like you know 40 to 50 minutes on average right and that like 30 second stint is what i'm waiting for it's just (laughs) but people do that all the time what weird
1: song is he gonna come up with yeah people are like oh i can't believe he did running up that hill from stranger things i'm like you know what (laughs) Bite me i have been a fan of kate bush since the early 90s You're lucky it didn't happen before this. And chances are a Kate Bush song did happen and you didn't know because (laughs) you weren't paying attention.
0: Yeah. Or they only know running up that hill because yeah. Which is a
1: shame. It's a, it's an incredible song, but it is one of an incredibly famous. It's funny because people are like, who is this artist? I'm like internationally renowned, known forever. Like, played at the Olympics because it's an England national treasure. But like she stopped performing because performing live is terrifying for her. Right. She stopped touring. She couldn't do it anymore. And I don't blame her. Like that's a hard thing. And she's like, I don't, I don't enjoy this. I'm not going to do this anymore. And she still makes albums, but she doesn't have to. And she does it when she wants to. Especially with
0: that song from stranger things. And it was like, you know, charting, top of you know <laughs> every well,
1: chart <laughs> it's funny it's her first number one u.s song ever really 37 years after she put it out
0: that's hilarious i'm sure she's not upset about that at all no that sounds, that's not awesome. no, i mean
1: it's great that people are finding her again like if you look at her her first she wrote her first album when she was 18 mm. and the wow. stuff she talks about on that first album you're like how are you an 18 year old and hitting these topics like, where, who are you? Mm-hmm. And what is this voice that's coming out of an 18-year-old? Like, yeah. she's just, she's an incredible artist. She's a unique artist, right? Like, you either love her voice or you hate it. And she does wild things with her voice. Like, I, when I put it, because I have a playlist. People are like, I like it. This is my moment. You can come listen to my favorite, Kate Bush songs. And people are like, oh, you didn't put this song on there. I'm like, it's free of her particularly Whaley songs when uh, she's just like semi yodeling doing weird things that a lot of people are like why is she doing this with her voice what is she even doing like it's is her more musically approachable songs cuz she gets she was an experimental artist and boy did she experiment
0: i mean power to her at that point in time too she's incredible yeah i regret that i've only heard probably a handful of songs so i can really only name uh, running Up That Hill, just because that title yeah. of the name of the song has been put in front of my face. Yeah. Um, I'll like, have to go back name and The it. She listen had to more. change,
1: too. It's funny because the original song was Deal with God. And uh, the marketers and recorders are like, you cannot put out a song called Deal with God. You can't yeah, change uh, the name.
0: <laughs> prob- problematic, especially at the time. You know. Yeah.
1: So that, that's why it's Running Up That Hill, parentheses, Deal with God.
0: Yeah, you know, at least the message of the song didn't change. So no.
1: that's great. And it depends on what you think the message of the song is.
0: But that just means it's good art. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, if it's straightforward and it's cookie cutter, like, what are we even doing? I don't need to read an essay. And then I'm like, oh, I yeah. learned everything I need to learn. But anyway, so speaking of Pokemon, I am excited. Yes. I've got a bunch of fun questions here to kind of talk about uh, your, your background with Pokemon and all that good stuff. So I kind of want to start at the beginning a little bit here. How and when did you get your start with the Pokemon franchise?
1: Okay, so I, if you've heard me in other things, I will tell the story again. I came to the series as an adult because it came out in 1998 and I was 28. So how I found it was my brother and I were going to go sit in line at the Mall of America to get tickets for Star Wars when they were releasing the special edition. So we're like, okay, we're going to go sit in a mall for there's going to be like 10 hours to wait in line to get tickets. And I was like, well, I want something to do while I'm sitting in line. That's not talking to my brother for 10 hours.
0: <laughs> no offense, brother, but 10 hours. <laughs> no,
1: he knows he didn't want to talk to me for 10 hours either. Oh,
0: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh,
1: And so I was a big comic reader at the time and I kept seeing ads for a new RPG as like, Oh, this looks cute and fun. And if nothing else, I'll get 10 hours of entertainment out of it. Right? Like if it's bad, I'll just put another game into my game boy. So I'll just buy it. I just went out and I bought, I bought red, I believe. And put it in. And I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. And I would say the game didn't work. Right? Like it, that game is so buggy. Oh yeah. Like, none of the things did what it said it was supposed to do. Like it took me generations to finally believe swords dance did what it did because it didn't work so poorly in gen one. I'm like, why would you ever (laughs) use these moves? They don't work. Why would you do this?
0: Isn't it like the great balls are more effective than ultra balls and stuff? But that that game
1: is a mess. And crits were based off of speed. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So like the game was a hot, it was a hot mess. But within the first half an hour of playing it, I was hooked. I'm like, cute creatures, check. Fun battling system, check. Completely bizarre JRPG plot, check. Sold, 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 sold. For as poorly coded as the game was, the things they did right were so brilliant that I fell in love with the game. I'm like, this is an incredible game. It doesn't work the way they say it should. But all the things that it says it should be are there.
2: Hmm.
1: and I, I immediately fell for it I'm like yep this is an incredible game I hope they make more and then gen 2 happened and I'm like oh boy did you lose your way folks <laughs> Ooh, <cha-doof. laughs>
0: uh you know it just um they didn't realize the powers they were messing with at that point in time
1: yeah I mean gen 2 as an adult was such a disappointment really yeah I was so disappointed in that game.
0: Oh man, is it a bad time to tell you that generation two is my favorite?
1: I mean, it's a lot of people's favorites, but the issues with it are one. You can tell that they wrote it to be the end of the series. Like you can tell the game was made to be the end Two, they rehashed the plot of the first game. I'm like, I've played this before. Yeah. Three, they ruined team rocket. They took a criminal organization and made them a cult of personality. They made them so reliant on Giovanni and their sole purpose in gen two is finding Giovanni again. They stopped being a criminal organization and became a cult. And I'm like, why are you ruining these, these people? They're not a threat because they're f- running around with the one person who was like, well, I don't want to live a criminal life anymore. I'm going to go refigure out my life. And these people who were supposed to be a threat are now what? Yeah. Yeah it ruined what they were. It made them less scary because it's like, oh, you were nothing. You were just a bunch of people following a really charismatic leader and not the mob threat that you're presented in gen one. And I hated that they made them that group.
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective. I haven't heard before. It
1: just, cr- I was like, this is such a bad turn of events Yeah, for this group of people.
0: I, I hear and I definitely feel, now that you've pointed it out, that that's pretty accurate for for Team Rocket. I think the cult of personality switch made more sense to me because I was younger at the time. Um, I I was born in 91, so I was, you know, 8, uh, 7, yeah. 8 when the first game came out. And I also started with Red. And Generation 2 was just so much, it was just incredible to me. And Syndical my favorite Pokemon, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But I thought the cult of personality change for Giovanni was, was really neat because I didn't understand that there was a separation between the anime and the main series game as a child. And yeah. so it kind of brought them closer to parody because that's sort of what Team Rocket is like in the anime. But from a purely JRPG standpoint, I think that that point is, yeah. is very fair. Frustrated me. Cogent. Beyond the telling. Yeah.
1: There he the plot. Johto is an incredibly thin region. Like, They really rely on backtracking for that game to work, to feel like it's expansive. It's not the fake choice of direction in Ecu Street City. Like you can definitely go to the right, but you get a hard block and then you're way overpowered when you go the way they wanted you to go, which was to the left. So false choice there. And then they added Canto. Cool. You didn't do anything with it. <laughs> Nobody really is different over there. You they didn't look, really change the levels. sprites
0: were different. They had different pants on, you but, know.
1: <laughs> and as, as an adult reaching, I'm like, so you added a section of post-game that doesn't do anything. There's no new mystery over there. There's no new storyline over there. There's no real reason for it to be there. And you skimped out on fleshing out a fresh storyline of your main region. And as a matter of fact, most of your gym leaders don't even use gen two Pokemon.
2: What are you doing
1: with this game? (laughs) Why, why did you do this? And so I was so frustrated playing gen two. And what makes crystal great is they said, we need to add another storyline to this game. To make this game feel worthwhile. Yes. So adding in the Suicune storyline really makes Crystal the version of Gen 2 that you should be playing, but it's still not a great game system. It's just not a great game. Um, And as an adult, like the amount of parents that were so angry about the time cycle, Um, the reason why time didn't reappear for a number of generations is because they made so many parents so angry and frustrated And I'm like, why would you do this? Why would you jeopardize the game system like this? Like, they just made choices that felt like they were just going to do a one and done two games and we're out. And Gen 2 always feels like the, we don't really know what we want to do. We don't want to create something new. Let's rehash Team Rocket, but make them worse. Uh, Oh, the game, we could actually do more to the game. We'll put in Kanto. Kids will like seeing that again. Like, but I just played that game and I can still go back and play the better version. I can go back and start a new game and play through Kanto with a reason to be there. Right. I just get really like I get it. I also didn't like a lot of the designs of Gen 2 Pokemon. I didn't like that. They didn't explain story wise why they're suddenly eggs. It doesn't make sense why Dark and Steel suddenly appear in Johto. They didn't do a story connect like when they made it. A place you could visit and it's just a mountain in between and people freely go between. I'm like, okay, so why didn't we know this in Gen 1? Where did this come from? And you don't even explain it. They're just here.
0: Yeah. And you can't even use the uh, excuse of a timeline uh, gap because it's right after the events of
1: right after.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's like
1: and the choices they made were clearly to fix the problems of Gen 1 and they didn't even bother to explain it away like steel type existed and dark type to deal with the fact that psychic was so broken Mm -hmm. that they had to do something and they didn't even bother to give it a story reason. It's like Mm -hmm. all those things just bug me about that game.
0: Yeah. It could have been as easy as, you know, Oh, we, with the evolution of, you know, Steelix being introduced, we've learned about this new aspect of Pokemon. And here are some new classifications. If you're joining us from an, like, you know, the yeah. previous game, or
1: whatever, or the creation of Mewtwo fundamentally changed
2: mm, mm-hmm.
1: how things work. Like they created something that nature is reacting to. You could have had a storyline like Mewtwo changed the game.
0: Yeah, that would be they that did. would have been smart. That would have been really and it would smart. have
1: tied it into Team Rocket. They didn't like and, it, it. Just it
0: would have kept Mewtwo at kind of like a central place. I feel like Mewtwo has sort yeah. of become. Less of like, like yeah. you know, King Pokemon, right?
1: I and I get it. A lot of a lot of y'all were kids and you have a lot of nostalgia <laughs> on the game. And again, my least favorite Pokemon game is still better than a lot of things that are out there. I just I just have a lot of issues as my disappointment with playing Gen 2 was just like uh, this is why I love Gen 3. Mm-hmm. Like Gen 3 is my favorite one, because that was to me the signal that. They were now understanding that they were a franchise. They were going to become very deliberate with their games and they were going to come very forward thinking about their games. Like Gen 3 is the sign that they started to say, we are building a franchise and we need to start taking care of what we were doing.
0: Yeah, 100%. You can definitely feel a little bit of that sort of craft. Uh, one thing I will say in defense of generation two is that it, it was trying to prop itself up and present itself as like a like a next generation Pokemon game and not like a general like a new generation of Pokemon, but like the next generation of Pokemon yeah. game. Right. Um, and it, it wasn't on a new console. It was Game Boy and then Game Boy Color, which really didn't do anything. And then generation three was on advance. Right. So yeah. so that was pretty cool for that. But um, even with that in mind, I, I don't think it kind of comes at odds with any of the points you just made. <laughs> I, I also should clarify Generation C is <laughs> my favorite generation, but Crystal is the version yeah. that I, I Crystal, say is my favorite.
1: Crystal is the one to play of that generation, right? Yeah. Like yeah. they sort of Chris is when they realized, oh, we're not ending <laughs> like, oh, oop. yeah, okay. Let's do a new storyline and yeah. some other things <laughs> and make some animation and some color. Also, it's the end of this console, so we're going to push it to its limits, right? Mm-hmm. Like. The end of every council is when they really decide,
0: let's see how far we can push it before we break it. Right. Exactly. Because all bets are off. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. If anything happens, we'll just roll it into the next generation. I guess that's fine. (laughs) So this kind of begs an interesting question. Uh, You were talking about how you came to the franchise when you were older. um, And and you do discuss some of that age gap, especially when you're talking with Steve, who is closer to my age-ish. On the show, which I always think is really fascinating. And it kind of begs this question of how do you feel the demographic for Pokemon fans has changed over time? And is there even a demographic at all? Because I feel like mainstream understanding of the demographic of Pokemon was like 10 year old boys when it came out, you know, 7 to 12 year old boys. And then it sort of like followed them. But like the anime is still sort of like positioned for children. But some of the games aren't, you know. So.
1: I I would argue the games were never anything but all ages. The issue was the product that they were on was marketed as a kid's thing. Like Mm. the 90s video games had not taken off as much as they did in the 2000s. They were starting, but it wasn't that common to be like everybody has a console in their home. Mm -hmm. right like I'm from the arcade era so consoles at home spelled the end of arcades but arcades existed until the early 90s before they started to phase out really and so you have to look at the population just didn't adopt video games when these came out so when you look at older games and you look at the game boy it skews younger Mm -hmm. because they weren't marketing those handhelds to anything but a younger audience, right? Like the idea that adults would carry a game around in their hands or that adults would want to didn't really take off until the iPhone said, I now exist and everybody has a computer in your pocket. And then everybody's like, Well, I want to play games. Yep. Because I've always wanted to play games, but the things you've put out that were handheld always were done in kids' colors or kids' marketing. Or in the toy section was never really a thing for me to go to and so i would say like anime is always going to be a kid's thing because that's what it is in japan right like pokemon is specifically a kid's anime they make it that way i mean they do put in things like all cartoons do for adults a little bit Mm -hmm. but like their main demographic is always going to skew younger for the anime but I don't think that they've ever really taken that approach for the video game system. They have always kept their plot lines very broad Mm -hmm. for a wide audience, mainly because you never know anybody's education levels, but also because they have to try to translate storylines into other cultures. So Mm -hmm. the broader you can make the storyline, the easier it is for everybody to buy into the themes. Right. So like, Pokemon's never going to have deep plot lines for that reason. It's difficult to translate into other cultures unless you're very, very, very rich or very, very specific or have a lot of it. Like final fantasy 14. has absolutely the best storyline I've ever played in any RPG period, mm-hmm. but they also have a lot of money are on very high end expensive Equipment to play it. And that is the focus of their game is the storyline. Right. Right. I always say that Final Fantasy has always gone story first, gameplay a close second, whereas Pokemon is gameplay competition storyline. Like making sure that they have good gameplay, good design, good looking region, good looking stuff storyline for Pokemon is always going to be third. Like, it is, just isn't their focus. We, like, it's not It's not hard to say that. Like, it just isn't. So I think, as an adult, like, you just always look to them like, yeah, it's, I'm not really, I'm here for what they're saying broadly, but I'm mainly here because it's fun.
0: Right, sure. And so
1: I think what Pokemon has benefited from is that they have people growing up with it. Right. Like for me, that's star Wars. Mm. I star Wars is my number one fandom hands down always has been, but much like Pokemon kids. I was seven when the first star Wars came out, I saw star Wars at the theater, seven year blew my mind. That was it. That was my thing forever. Um, and it's not to say that adults weren't into it, but if you look at, they're like, yeah, we have kids. We have all these action figures. And so we have grown up in that culture of Star Wars. And so Pokemon just did the same thing 20 years later. And it's always a weird thing when people are like, oh, they're adult Pokemon players. Like, they were, always were. We, we, it's not like we just sprang out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> We've always existed. You just never looked at us.
0: Yeah, I feel like it. It's kind of hits on this weird sort of thing that when people talk about demographics, what it, what is marketed and appeals to, uh, let's just say a young male audience, because again, that was sort of like the baseline stereotypical understanding of the Pokemon franchise. What they don't understand is that like when those people grow up, like that demographic follows them, right? Absolutely. Like I'm 30 and I still love content that's made for 10 yeah. year old males. Like I adore Digimon when they redid Frontier. Like I watched that as an adult and I was like, this is fantastic. Yeah. It wasn't for me, but it was for me. You know, like it. Right. Yeah. It's a complicated it, it, you topic. You can
1: get enjoyment out of things that aren't for you. Right. 100%. Like Ms. Marvel t- is not made for me at all. I'm like, I am not the demographic for this at all. I enjoy it. A lot of it doesn't hit me as hard as it would the demographic that it's written for, but I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. It It's still a very well done show, but it's not for me. It's fine. I can I like look as a gay person. Most things aren't for me. They are not written for me. I have to find enjoyment out of things because I have no other options.
0: Right. Or or create like you've also done. Right. Yeah. yeah
1: or I make my own stuff. I mean that's why very right. random encounters exists. Yeah. <laughs> because that we needed more. We just we all agreed that we grew up without our own stories being told and we were going to fix that and we did.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually really super incredible because a lot of people just aren't even willing to try to break into that. They're just like, oh, I guess this world isn't for me. And in lots of different demographics, you know what I mean? And like
1: the world does not make it easy to break in. Like the idea, we'll just make it. I'm like, have you tried and had a job that pays you? Because believe me, these these other things don't pay me. Mm-hmm. I I cannot live off of what I get from Glitter Hearts, period. I have to have a 40 hour job and I do. And the rest of this stuff is bonus that I enjoy doing. I cannot make a living from this. Yeah. And people are like, well, just make something. I'm like, fine. In what (laughs) spare time? Like you're asking people to do heavy lifting in their free time because you are also saying, I also won't pay you for it.
0: Yeah. Being a creative and especially in this internet age is like pulling teeth to, yeah. to get anything established or or otherwise luckily i mean we are able to sort of like drift parallel to some things yeah. with some of our content pokemon is a great example of that because of all the reasons we just sort of explored yeah. about how it really does appeal to everybody um from all walks of life who
1: doesn't it- like cute animals
0: Right, exactly. And if if you don't, I just don't consider you a person. I'm sorry. You know, like uh, I'm just you're not my my spectrum of life. <laughs> so I have a couple of other questions and you've actually already answered when I was going to ask you, what generation do you like the most? And you sort of hinted at third generation. One hundred percent.
1: Gen three is my is my gen. Gen three is when I said, "Oh, OK, this is going to be a lifelong series. Uh, gen three is when I said they are willing to make tough decisions Mm -hmm. because they did Game Boy Advance did not talk to the Game Boy and they deliberately said guess what you can't bring things forward but we're going to make the game and people were angry Mm -hmm. that they couldn't carry things up and I applaud them for saying we're just going to take the lumps now and you see it again like the national decks they're like nope we're we're not going to be able to do this going forward we're not we're hitting a thousand and you think every one of them is going in these games you're out of your mind. So we're but, just going to do it now. But
0: copy and paste, Greg.
1: I know. Control V. I do it. <laughs> I, I don't understand their issues.
0: <laughs> I don't know. It just must be. They, they must be a Max or something, yeah. you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, this is an interesting question. What generation do you feel is the most Pokemon of all of them? What, what do you mean by the most Pokemon? So the, I, I kind of have to leave that up to you. So I, a couple of examples would be some uh, Gen 1ers in particular will always point to Generation 1 because like without Generation 1, there is nothing else. And all other generations are compared to Generation 1 when they're spoken of holistically. Other people will say it's the more recent games because it's found its footing. It knows its, per, its identity. It knows exactly what it's trying to do. But you said something earlier about how Generation 3, first of all, sort of like reignited your confidence in it. I
1: I would say Gen 3 is a turning point Mm -hmm. for them. I mean, there's a million ways to go this. Like, I don't discount Gen 1 as a starting point, but like you were going to say that's the most Pokemon, like it's also the most broken. Yeah, Like game didn't work. I don't know that we've hit it yet. Mm. I mean, I think it depends on what they want to do. I honestly think that they are still trying to find the one thing that honestly is the perfect distillation of everything they want to do in the game. And we haven't found it yet because they are trying to balance competitive life and a PVE life. Um, And I, I, I still think they should probably finally just separate those into two games. Like they should just pull competitive out of the PVE experience because the people who do PvP don't even play the game. They get they get to the point where they can transfer things in or make things, and then they're done. They don't finish. Um, and I think trying to create a combo PvE versus PvP in one game hurts other aspects of the game. It makes, like, you can't do things like contests very well. You can't do other aspects of gyms very well because you're trying to create moves that aren't broken in competitive and i think it limits what they can do and it would be solved if they split them into two games
0: or if moves behave differently in the two settings yeah yeah
1: Yeah. it it, it's just a difficult thing like i think they did a brilliant job in sword and shield overall Mm. like they fixed the grind which is the worst part of all pokemon games um the fact that you can get candies forever I, I don't want to sit in a field for five hours trying to grind. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Grind isn't fun. So I think that they did that really well. I think they did their first toes into what a multiplayer could be. Like raid battles are still fun to do, they're still fun to jump in and watch people do dumb things in like surf when you have brought something to the storm drain. Like those are still funny experiences. I'm eager to see what they interpret an open world to be
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and so my ideal and i i said this a minute my ideal game is an open world mmo type game what right that you can make your own paths like the storyline are locked behind dungeons like it would be great if the evil team only existed in multiplayer content, right? Like you are gathering together to take this down. It's not a solo journey anymore. That to me is my ideal of a Pokemon game. Um, so like right now, I think the closest to the distillation of things that they want to do in a game is sword and shield, right? They've cut out the grind. They don't give you a choice about XP share. Cool. They, added in a fun multiplayer aspect like it is getting close to a more universal game
0: what about the sort of evolution of that uh, evolution of that sort of you know play style that was introduced in arceus are there elements of arceus that you'd like to be sort of brought into this mmo dream game of yours
1: yeah i mean i liked the catching mechanic yeah it's great i thought that was great i liked the open open feel of them out in the wild like that was cool although I will say like I liked also sword and shields there are still things hidden that you couldn't see um I think a lot of what Arceus did was brilliant right like I think the gameplay is fantastic Uh, cut crafting crafting is never fun (laughs) it's just not fun cut inventory management inventory management is never fun I have to do that in my real life I don't want to do it in my games (laughs) fair I, it's not fun like oh i have to spend five million dollars to get enough backpack space nah dog why do i have to do this because i scam. don't generally have to craft anyway anymore like why why are you making me do this yeah i like the open ranch feel like the ranches were cool i hated the color palette uh, my biggest complaint about our css is the dull game it looks dull it looks dusty and I'm like, why? <laughs> You're why? right. Yeah. <laughs> why did you do this? Like, the second zone is all browns? Who fell in love with brown? Even your, wa- you made your water brown? Why are you doing <laughs> this? There's so many good things, and Ar- things that were bad in RCS. Battling was pointless. All the battles were dumb and bad. Battling wild Pokemon was okay, but still felt weak. It felt like... Okay, sure.
0: To me, it sort of felt like a punishment for not catching them appropriately the first time. Yeah,
1: well, I, like, I I will battle you so you stick around so I have sure. a better opportunity to catch you. I, but I'm not going to use a move. I got to walk behind you and throw balls at your back. Wee. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Arceus, Arceus is a breath of fresh air, 100%. And I would love a bunch of that stuff to make it into the future games. Never crafting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just familiar with that cycle because uh, me and my co-host have played a fair amount of Monster Hunter and there's a little bit of crafting yeah. cursory just like there is in in Arceus, right? But it doesn't feel as pointless as it kind of does in Arceus. It feels like busy work in Arceus.
1: Yeah, it feels like busy work. Yeah. Especially since you can go to the guy and buy most of the stuff.
0: It felt okay at first, but after a while, yeah, like, the- why am I making regular feather balls? Like, I just don't care about this. I don't this. care anymore.
1: Right. And, and I have to pick up all the stuff. And it's better for me to drop everything and just get stuff in the spatial distortion because I need those things and I don't need this. Yeah. The only reason why I'm crafting is because you aren't giving me enough money.
0: Right? No, exactly. Yeah. If, if end game and your crafting system, don't go hand in hand, that's just not great. Cause that's the opposite of what should be.
1: <laughs> I, had, I, I think the, I think the plot line of Arceus was brilliant. Oh yeah. I, I do think they messed up the ending. But I think overall, the plotline was very good.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you think that there's going to be a follow-up to that game? Or do you think they're going to kind of just move on, no. having learned the lessons?
1: There's not a lot of other regions that are that steeped in lore as the base game, right? Like Sinnoh has always been seen as, like, this is the origin species of Pokemon. And so going back into its history... Made a little bit sense. Although I still argue that we didn't go back into the past. Nothing oh. in that game says we're actually in the past. Everything in that game says we're in an alternate universe. Yeah. Literally everything in the game says we're in an alternate universe. They we're not in the past. No,
0: and they did establish the multiverse with Ultra Beasts. So, yes, you're right. Huh.
1: You, and you might have blew my mind when, a little bit there. <laughs> when, people get, when people get accidentally pulled into alternate universes, they lose their memory which they established in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire with Annabelle Mm -hmm. who got pulled out of her universe and doesn't remember. And they reestablished it with Ingo in this game because he existed only previously in the DS universe and is being pulled against his will into the switch universe and promptly doesn't remember. You're the only person that makes the switch and you are clearly from the 3DS generation Mm -hmm. because you're wearing sun and moon outfits.
0: Wow. It's an
1: alternate universe. It's not the past.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, maybe it's an alternate universe that, that masquerades closely to what they would yeah. consider the past. Or maybe all the history that we know is all just multidimensional stuff. Man, you're right. This, uh, that's, that's something to think about. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't think about it that much, but you're right. Huh. I kind of no, like that better. They than... have
1: firmly established every council is its own universe. Mm hmm. So we are now in the Switch universe,
0: and the console cycles are getting longer. So we might be here for a while. Interesting. Um, well, I would love to keep talking about that, but because <laughs> that's super interesting to me personally. Uh, but I got a couple other questions here. I don't want to okay. move on from the basic sort of Pokemon questions without asking. First of all, favorite game? I know you said Generation Three is your favorite, but Emerald. Emerald is okay. Great. Cool. So we're of the same mind then. I like Crystal. you like Emerald. Good deal. Emerald's so good. Emerald is fantastic. I love that game. I know the answer to this because I listened to the show, but what is your favorite Pokemon?
1: Rosalia? 100%. I even have a tattoo of it now.
0: Woo. You can't see it folks, but I just, I guess got to see it. (laughs) It's cool.
1: You can find it on my Instagram. I have plenty of pictures.
0: All right. We'll link that as well. Uh, The fandom at large is the next section of small questions I have for you. So how does the Pokemon fandom stack up against others that you've encountered or participated in?
1: I mean, they're not as bad as star Wars fans. Because frankly, Star Wars has been around longer, right? There are signs. So this is true of any fandom. The longer it goes, the more and the more people make it a part of their identity, mm-hmm. the more toxic they become.
0: Because of and sense of so, ownership or. Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: when they make changes like the national decks, instead of saying, looking at it like, oh, this is a necessary choice for the continued health of the game. It is a change to their identity and they push back and they tend to become more toxic. And so when you go for a very long time, as Pokemon has, and people have grown up with it and have made it such a huge part of their life, when it changes against their will, they feel like I'm being forced to change and I don't like it. And as time goes on, those people get more and more toxic. You can look at the Star Wars fandom and you will 100% see it. It has been going on now for all of my life. And there are huge swaths of people that don't like minorities in their Star Wars still. And you it is
0: maddening. Yeah, I don't understand that.
1: But it is it is it is a fundamental flaw of today's modern advertising that people are encouraged to identify with a brand and make that brand their identity. And it is incredibly dangerous. And we are seeing how dangerous it is. And especially when you have feelings of love and joy from it as a child, when you are confronted with it changing, you feel like your vulnerability as a child is being attacked. It's not. When people say, oh, you're ruining my childhood. No, they're not. They can't travel back in time. You are ruining your childhood. You are altering the story you're telling yourself about how much you liked that because you feel like you're being forced to change. You're not. The game is changing for its own health. Now, you may not like those changes and you are free to go. I don't like a lot of changes in Pokemon Go. I am free to go.
0: It's but in the name. Also, they encourage you to go.
1: They encourage you. To Capitals, go. yeah. Go away. <laughs> but Pokemon Go away, but Pokemon Phantom is approaching the zenith of there will be a super toxic section. Who want to be kids again? And I I I sing this to the hills. You will never ever ever experience anything like you did when you were a kid because you were dumb. True. No. Yeah. You, you cannot erase your experience and you will never erase time. You will always view everything through the lens of an adult. And the more you try to chase being a kid again, the less happy you will be. Mm-hmm. You will never be a kid. And that's good. You can find new way. I found Pokemon at age 28. I love and devote myself to this series. I'm not looking at it as a kid. I know I can't be a kid again. I can allow myself to enjoy things as an adult through an adult lens and find enjoyment in that. Sometimes things surprise me, sure. But they'll never surprise me like they did as a kid because I had what? Seven years of experience, most of which I don't even remember anymore.
0: Yeah, no, true. I, I also feel like folks are are very unwilling to change these things because it, it signals a, a lack, or it is a signal of a lack of uh, comfort with yourself. To be like, The adult version of me likes these things. I've got plushies behind me. Some of them are from when I was a kid that I dug out of a box, but a lot of them brand new from this year. I ordered them because I like them, you know, and if anybody thinks less of me because of that, like, I don't think I wanted to associate with them anyway. Right. But some people aren't willing to do that. They they put hard. Yeah. The pressure to
1: fit in. Look, straight people. (laughs) You haven't had to do a lot of soul searching. You just didn't. Talk to your gay friends. They had to do it from a very early age. They had to realize that the rules... of We had to realize the rules of society do not apply to us. Once you sort of realize that the rules of society are mostly made up and you can make your own, as long as you aren't hurting people, enjoy your life. But stop trying to be a kid. Yeah. Stop it. You're not.
0: Yeah. You can be a nostalgic adult, but not a kid.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you can look back and follow, Like, I... Look back very fondly at Star Wars. It's changed a million times. I I I still watch the first movie and can think. I remember seeing this as a kid, and I remember the emotions I had. I don't feel them now mm-hmm. as intensely, but I remember them, and that's fun. It's nice to remember.
0: Yeah. But it's also important to remember that if you didn't have that initial, like, holy cow moment with the product or franchise, whatever the case might be, your feelings today would not be as positive as they are. Even if it's different, it's they wouldn't exist. It has to happen the way that it did happen. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Goodness. Uh, This seems like an appropriate time to ask this question. Is there any particular niche of the fandom that you feel stands out more than others? And why is it Pokemon Go?
1: Pokemon Go players are wild, y'all. <laughs> it's funny because there's an entire group of people that know nothing about Pokemon except Go. And when they release the Ultra Beast and the Ultra Recon squad, I'm like, people are gonna be so confused at who these people are. Yep. <laughs> who is this? Who is this individual and where did they come from? I'm fascinated by Go only players. I will say that. Like, you have no interest in exploring the other stuff. Some of it's better. I also am fascinated by people who don't who are fans of Pokemon but don't want to play Pokemon Go. Like you just don't you don't even want to give it a shot. Like, like I'm also fascinated by people who don't want to play any of the side games. Like Conquest was a good game. Now, granted, I get it that you may not have money, right? Like money is a barrier for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you just don't have the funds to do it, valid. But just saying, like. Nah, I could, I have unlimited money to buy games and I'm just not gonna try Conquest. Like, give it a shot. You can sell it back.
0: I think that there's also a barrier with Go from people that are like never goers that it's a mobile game. And yeah. to some people, they're like, oh, they're not real gamers and things like that. I mean, I definitely used to feel that way. Until, you know, probably the last five years when it's very clear that video games on phones are at par with consoles and PCs in some cases, or just that much more accessible, and so therefore that more prolific.
1: The unnecessary gatekeeping of what, re again, gatekeeping is identity politics. Right. You, You don't want to be them, so they aren't real. And... If you stop identifying with that thing, you'll immediately find that there's room for everybody. If your personality isn't a hardcore gamer, then you can look at people who enjoy things and think good for them. I'm happy that they found something they love. And it doesn't affect me at all. Because guess what? It doesn't. (laughs) You've just decided that it's your central personality trait. And it's made you awful.
0: Yeah, and it was that person's choice, not the other people's choice. So, yeah, 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 I would I agree with that 100 percent. So has playing Pokemon Go affected your view of Pokemon as a whole? I know we're joking around quite a bit and, and you're not a big fan of Niantic's decision making. I feel like that's that's true of a lot of people, even if you love the game. I adore yeah. the game, right? And there are still things that Niantic doesn't like, whoa, what are we doing here? But you definitely play. So I'm curious. I mean, I play,
1: people are like, oh, you hate the game. I play every day. I yeah. still play it every day. I just don't give it a ton of my time um, because I don't think it deserves a ton of my time. That's fair. Pokemon Go was great at the start and they have done nothing revolutionary since. Raids were great, but ultimately their battle system is boring. The thing is, the thing about Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go sings when you're with other people. And the problem with the app is The fun lies outside the app. When I'm on a community day, I'm having fun with my friends and I'm holding a phone in my hand and sometimes looking at it. The game isn't the central part of my fun. It was the reason to gather, but it's not why I'm having fun. And I think that is a fundamental struggle that Pokemon Go is having. Because most of us are only clinging to the game because it's Pokemon. If it was another franchise, it would be dead, yeah. Like Wizards Unite. I was
0: about to say Wizards Unite is a great example, and yeah,
1: and Pikmin for that matter.
0: Yeah, unfortunately,
1: the the reason why people are very attached to this is because of Pokemon, not because of Go, and I think that is a reality that they are struggling with right now, and you can see them flailing.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. There's been more of an effort to sort of mimic like TPCI language and verbiage choices from their communications than there has been in the past. It felt patently different. Like, honestly, it well,
1: they are a corporation
0: now. Right. And
1: I think whenever you see something that you love become corporate, it is a hard changeover. And when they have to be, and they, I mean, they don't have to be, but like, if they don't become cartridge, it's the end of the game. Right. Like, the way capitalism works is if you aren't making that money, then you aren't
0: right. Right. It just isn't working. So non-viable.
1: Niantic is stuck in this ugly turnover of having to become not a group of people playing a game that people will love, but a corporation that has to answer to people and show money for it. And that changeover is ugly and it's been really ugly. And their decisions are corporate based and they hurt.
0: They certainly do. And I feel like a lot of those decisions are just exacerbated or just made negative in the first place. Could have been relatively neutral or a take it or leave it scenario if certain communication or communication in general was a little bit more clear, was reworded. It, you know, it's painful from somebody who's an advocate to look at some of these things the, and go, you could have used a different word, this would have meant the the different. issue
1: isn't communicate they I will absolutely say they're bad at communication. Right. The the problem is, is that you can see the way they structure things mm-hmm. that their communications aren't true. So, and why I say that is it they are doing what most corporations do is they make the change and promise a solution, which means they don't ever want to work towards a solution. Because they want to make the change, get people used to the change and the people that are affected by it to drop off. So when you get new customers, they are already in the change and you never have to approach the solution. Mm -hmm. If you really intended on solving it, you would have solved it first and then made the change because it's less customer impacting. But when you make a change and promise a solution, the solution isn't coming. Right. It's not. Even going to be there, they want, they want, they rely on people saying, which a lot of people, oh, it doesn't affect me, so I don't care. They rely on you to never hold them accountable. Right. Yeah. That's. They rely on the people who it does affect to get so frustrated that they leave, and then they put marketing, which they always do, always to get new players to the game. So when you make a change to three-hour community all the new players coming on will have only ever had three hours and not the flexibility that existed before. Right. That always benefits them. And that's, what's frustrating. And what's frustrating is not only is their communication poor because it is, but you can also tell that they're lying. This is not the truth. You don't intend to fix this or you would be, or you would have before you made the change. And people will say, and Steve says it. Okay, well, they'll fix it after GoFest. Okay, when after GoFest? Because they'll give you the excuse that they're building up towards the holidays. And then after the holidays, well, they're building up towards a new year. Uh, Then we're building up towards GoFest. They keep saying, oh, it's coming. It's never coming. It's not going to happen. And why people think I'm so negative about the game is because I have no problem pointing out you're lying This isn't going to happen. Make choices appropriately. It's why I will not give them money right now. I refuse. And and what frustrates me is they put in the gift system to compensate for people like me. People buy me tickets so I can have fun on community day because they know I won't spend it. They're still getting money for me while I'm refusing to give the money to them. But it's a gift, Mike not nah, it's a way for you to make people who really love the game who also apologize for your choices to give you money in my stead.
0: yeah, I think this is all of that's fair criticism. and even as an advocate and somewhat of a go apologist because I, I want to believe the best of that game because I love it. you know um I love the the beginning experience. I even love the majority of the current experience, you know, as buggy or as problematic as some of the decision making can be, I still play every day and I love playing, right? Um, and I get excited about it. And you could say it's just because I do a weekly podcast on it, and therefore I feel obligated, but <laughs> so do I. I <laughs> part of that is always true, you know? Like I feel yeah. like I definitely need that, but the the joy that the game gives me is legitimate. yeah, but it's it's hard. It's hard to square the circle a little bit there because exactly what you're saying that, yes, it's my favorite game, which I never thought I'd say about a mobile game, but it is my favorite game I play it the most. But on the other hand, yeah, the communication isn't accurate. I have a hard time saying lie, but the proof is sort of in the pudding. If it's not lying, it's misdirection or it's just, you know, find it's, something else. I mean, right?
1: lies by omission.
0: Sure. Yes. Okay. That's a great way of putting it. I can definitely agree with that. You know, it, but people just are also aren't privy to the entire internal situation as well. And that was good enough for me for several months. But now we've gone on several years of that being the case and the communication hasn't changed to adjust for that sort of stuff. And that's where I have a big issue with communication yeah. in particular, but also because the the lack of action that we see on some things, right, for corporate reasons, business reasons, whatever the case might be, the creators that they partner with are stuck in a position where people are like, oh, these creators aren't actually representing us. And it's that's not true. You know, I'm privy. And I can tell you, and I'm sure this isn't news you, because I'm sure Steve has also said as much that we all advocate yeah. for everybody. Yeah. The stop distance thing, it was a fight. Everything has been a conversation, aggressive feedback, and we feel just as unheard at times as other people do. And, you know, it's, it's odd being maligned by some people because of that. But at the same time, you know, it does from an outside perspective externally when you're not aware of all that stuff, or even if you are you're representing people that are, like you're saying, lying, right? Yeah. It's difficult.
1: It is tough to understand that the heart of the thing that gives you joy is a business. We want them to be like us. We want them to be cool and just making game for fun. But I, I like I tell people, I make games for fun, but I can't live off of it. They have to live off of this. I, get, I understand their decisions, right? Like I can understand why you're doing this and I think it's I think it's bad. I think it's bad for the life of the game. Yeah. And I think it's bad for your customer base. They're obviously going to disagree. But one of the biggest things that I constantly push back at and I I had to yell at Steve about this for a little bit is there's a creator that said I'm tired of making content for people who don't love the game. And I'm like that is a that is an excuse to disallow people who are frustrated with their voices. And I said I love Star Wars, with all my heart and soul. But if you think I can't tear apart every ounce of that media within an inch of its life, you are absolutely
0: wrong. Because you're the most qualified. I know
1: everything that's wrong with it. And I want it to be better because I love it and I want it to be better for everybody, not just me. And it's difficult for people to look at people who have complaints, who are incredibly frustrated, and they'll just say, and it's easy to write them off saying, well, they just hate the game and they'll never love it. They loved the game, and it's moving away from them. And it's hard, again, if they've invested their life into it and their identity, it's hard for them to see them being left behind because they aren't making that choice. They're being forced out.
0: And even more so because like you were touching on in the beginning of this entire topic was that the game itself for a lot of people isn't even fun for them, but the community around it and stuff is. And so that game can get progressively worse, but as long as they're still loving spending time with yeah. their friends, that's completely fine. And they'll always yeah. have that customer in a way, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, that I feel like is really at the heart of the entire issue for sure.
1: Uh, I, I can't fault Niantic for being a business. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't, and I wish that at their heart, they stood up more for their philosophy of being a game for everybody, because I think they've moved away from that.
0: That's kind of where I'm at, too. You know, like uh, the whole stop-distance conversation, it was was so frustrating because they were like, oh, we never promised it would go back to normal. And it's like, circumstances are so entirely different. It is incredibly tone-deaf to not take that into account when we're making these new decisions, oh, well, that goes against our core tenants as a company. Okay, great, but how can we fulfill that and still bring these people with?
1: I mean, the thing that made me so mad about the spin difference thing is the excuse you gave was so obviously a reason you came up with after making the decision. Oh, you can see it better. Really? I can see the Eiffel Tower from five miles away.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, that one, I didn't I didn't care for that excuse. That one felt and not great.
1: also, this painting... That's around a corner in an alcove. I can't see until I'm right on top of it. So tell me again why your distance matters. Mm -hmm. Just say you picked an arbitrary thing and that's the decision you're sticking with. Don't try to pretend that you had an actual reason for it, especially when we can easily prove you wrong. In, In my state alone, I can give you five examples of where that doesn't apply.
0: But there are instances just like that. I think stop distances was very clearly not a good thing. And that's, again, they changed it back, they even added that second circle with a distance for interaction. That's great. Cool. Awesome. That should yeah. have just been kind of without the whole incident in general. But things like the community day time from six to three hours, you even brought that up too. And on on the surface, you're just like, what do you mean? That means less people can engage with this. And they're like, well, our data shows that in the majority of players only play the three hours or less than three hours, but that's fine. And that can be a point to your argument, but there's gotta be more than that. And I know for a fact they had more reasons than that, but they, what didn't have faith or feel a need to explain themselves to the player base.
1: One. I mean, it's a free game. So whenever you're free, whenever it's a free game, you're the product that they're selling. Right. And three hours of a crowd is easier data and bigger data to sell than six hours of people playing when they felt like they could play. And they're never going to say that because that is a bald-faced corporate decision. And there is precious little reason to shrink it down to three hours other than to force more people to come together for better data collection. And you can spin that. We wanted to build a local community. And when people called you out on that, you said, oh, but we've been working on this other thing outside of the game, Niantic Compass. The frustrating thing is, again, it is when you look at it and you see the corporation behind the decisions and you realize they're just doing it for money. We saw people played only for three hours. Cool. Which three hours? Right, right. Exactly. That's the That was everybody's first reaction as well. It's which, like, which ones? Right. <laughs> all the same? Don't think so. Doubt it. And was it all in one three-hour spurt? Doubt it. Where's your data? Surprising you didn't come forward with that surprisingly you only presented the data that supported your position yeah and didn't answer any of the other questions and i think that is the thing that frustrates me with niantic and again they won't make it clear what like we know that a lot of inclusivity is held off because they're a worldwide game and because tcpi won't won't do that so like non-gendered clothing doesn't exist in the game because you're selling it to the world and it is bad business to call that out. Mm-hmm. Like I understand as an adult who works for a major corporation, you just cannot say certain things. Sure. Um, but also don't pretend that we're dumb and don't come up with excuses that are so thin that we can all see through them.
0: The casual player understood what was unsaid, you know? Yeah. It wasn't even like us that understands the nuance of this game and the franchise and things like that. It's it's, a casual player knew exactly what they were saying. But the thing is, though, if they had come out and said like, look, we're going to consolidate these down to three hours like like we have in the past. We'd like to return to this um, and we're going to see how it goes. We think it will result in more people in one place having more fun and therefore a better experience. We understand some of you might be concerned about accessibility and just so you know with the upcoming few communities we are looking at new features slash mechanics that will help extend that time right like they have with the raids and stuff now i think that's brilliant if we had known about that know that was coming up i feel like people would still be mad but they wouldn't have felt like they were being talked down to
1: there is a customer focused way of doing that
0: right we are keeping
1: it for six hours but in this three-hour time period, we are increasing rewards. We are increasing XYZ. We are increasing raids. If you play during the three hours we would like you to, you will have a better experience, but you will not have a lesser experience than what you were having before if you play it some other time during the six hours. right? There is a customer-forward way of doing it, and they chose not to do that. They chose a corporate-forward way of doing it. And I think that's what frustrates people. Right.
0: Well, what do you think an example of an extra bonus would have been? It, it doesn't even so, have to be big.
1: <laughs> I mean, so spawn rates were the same, yeah. right? Like, keep the same shiny spawn rate. But during these three hours, double candy, double hashing distance, double all the things that you give now, all the things that you said if, in our three hour experience, you'll get all these great bonuses because that laid bare your lie about you were concerned about in-game economy, Because you just doubled everything for the three hours. So you weren't really ever worried about in-game economy because you just upped your rewards. Right. You just wanted us to play for three hours. (laughs) You were worried about the tiny fraction of people grinding out for six hours and said you just said you'll just all get it for three. Like it and the people that would be affected by that would have done it anyways. It's just like stop, stop, stop doing Mm -hmm. this. So they could have easily said more had more rates. Extra raid hours. We are actually going to fix our raids during community days and have five spawn instead of what you do now, which is completely random. Uh huh. You have a community day with a million people and you're not going to put five star raids in every possible location.
0: Right. Right. And some people are like, who raids during community day? But the answer is plenty of Everybody. people. Everybody. Yep. Yeah. Mm hmm.
1: Yep. Because one hour in, you are st- sick of clicking on dinos to see if it shines. <laughs> Personally, I need a- I need a three-minute break.
0: Yeah, well, that's just the lobby, Greg. <laughs>
1: uh, if it fills up to twenty, end it.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Well, I, I, we very rarely are this critical about Niantic or Pokemon Go. I mean, like we talk about these things, but I'm, I'm also venting a little bit with you because we're matching energy, and that's fantastic.
1: Here's the thing: I'm critical because I, I know they can be better. Mm-hmm. I want them to be better. And I'm critical because I have a voice for people who who don't. right? I have a platform. Mm -hmm. And I understand how frustrating this is. And I understand that the position you all are in, because you can yell at them just like I can yell at my company and they won't listen. Yeah, And people don't get to see that. But also I'm yelling at people who refuse to look at it and make excuses for it. Like I don't want the game to go away. I play the game every day. I have a podcast where we talk about it. I love the game for as much as I can love any game, right? Like I I am not devoted to Pokemon Go. Um I think they made something great and have squandered it since. And I want it to be great again and serve a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I feel that they've lost their way. Um and I think That is important to also combat the opposite side of toxics, which is toxic positivity. Mm. When people think they can do no wrong and discount people's actual experiences, which is what we are seeing in the Pokemon Go community. People who are shouting down voices because you want to be positive about something. And it hurts you to think that this thing that you love could be bad. It's the opposite problem of toxic people. You're being toxically positive and discounting the actual problems and giving them cover. They don't deserve. You can call something out and still love it.
0: 100%. I mean, there's that that saying it's like you can't truly hate something until you've loved it first. Right, right. You know, I feel like that's that
1: hate isn't the opposite of love. Apathy is the opposite of love. That's fair. And that's what Pokemon Go wants you to never be. They're happy if you hate them because you're still talking about them. What they don't want is for you to be apathetic about it because that's when you'll walk away from the game.
0: Yeah, again, hard to disagree. In fact, I'm just going to have to admit <laughs> that I agree. You know, Generally, it's, I don't know, it's just subjective psychology at that point yeah. in time. You know, like we've all experienced that. So I'm, I'm really hoping in my heart of hearts that these decisions that seem like a step back are more of them like retreating and regrouping so that they can then move forward from the concessions that they had made. But the concessions didn't seem that bad. Right. Which is the big argument that people were making, but we'll see. I weren't bad to you. I'll, (laughs) I'll keep my faith in check.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know a lot of people who can't play now because they don't have flexibility. And, that's bad. And I get it. It doesn't affect you, but it does affect somebody. Yeah. And that, that is something that needs to be looked at and said, yeah, that is bad. And it's, it's unfortunate. I wish they didn't do that.
0: No, 100%. And again, back to the whole stop thing. I mean, when that happened, I'm, I'm an able-bodied, uh, straight white male, right? For me, it was like, it was obvious. What about this group of people? What are they supposed to do? Because they're worried about safety and accessibility and accessibility is, is right there. That is the topic. And it seems like yeah. it's discussed and then it's sort of like thrown away. And if it's obvious for people that don't live that don't have that life experience themselves, right? And they're like, guys, this is obvious. Yeah, <laughs> it's frustrating. It's maddening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, anyway, <laughs> but what I, I do kind of want to do really quick before we wrap up here, because yeah, uh, yeah. I appreciate all the time you've, you've given me today. Thank you so much. It's been great is so so what is what is good about pokemon go from your perspective
1: pokemon go does a lot of great things right like it is fun to have things appear in the real world it is fun to it is always fun to catch pokemon it is always fun to catch shinies in the wild it is always fun to be with your friends doing a combined experience and being able to talk about these things having trading like Trading, they do well. Raids, they do okay. Um, Like, the action of the raids aren't fun. That's like, what we say. The we
0: love raids. We don't like raiding.
1: Yeah. Um, And I, I still think, like, if I spent this much time, I should have a much better guarantee catch rate than you give me at the end of this raid. Having a common language of a wide audience. Like, they hit a huge audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and got a lot of people talking about an incredible series and talking about Pokemon in a way that is fun and interesting. And it was a new way to interact with a beloved series, right? Yeah, yes. And I don't even, I, like, I don't hate the idea of walking outside and going to things. Like, for those of us who can do it, that experience is fun. Again, five years in, I have nowhere else locally to explore and the world isn't safe to travel and it's also really expensive to do that. So that aspect is diminished and they haven't replaced it with anything. But I think Pokemon Go hit lightning with this idea of a mobile game of with spots you can travel to and get interesting experiences. I think where they let themselves down is when they decided that the only travel option was walking.
0: That's right. I mean, there's even bicycles in the main series games. We still don't have a bike mode, you know? I mean, I know it kind Uh, of acknowledges certain speeds around average, but people break that all the time on their bike. Yeah. You know,
1: it is at its heart, a very solid game. Mm -hmm. Catching mechanic there. Powering up is there. Breeding isn't there, but of course, rumor has it that it's coming. I mean, what else are they gonna do? There, are, uh, there's not much left in the series that they haven't touched on. That's
0: true. And then they threw Apex at us, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, mm, you know, I you're mean, trying something new that's not kind of new, but it's new plus. to you, right? Yeah, <laughs> or Shadow Plus <laughs> Plus,
1: Shadow Plus uh, Plus. Like, there's a lot of things to really like about Go. I think their community day- days are a fun way to get people together. I think they need to come up with better storylines like the fact that you pay a you pay a dollar to get a chance to get the thing that's happening in the wild again and it's still not shiny why why is the reward the thing that i'm already catching right why don't you develop a storyline that the research gives you a different pokemon with a different shiny chance that's related to the storyline why why aren't we getting something different that makes it feel like i'm paying a dollar for something
0: yeah i mean they give you the final stage with the move but not like that's difficult i if got you play.
1: five candies right from all day. exactly why why yeah and you make me evolve into these stages to complete the very thing that you give me the final stage of
0: that's a fair that's fair
1: <laughs> why is this fun why am i paying a dollar for this I think their design is great. I think the stops they designed are great. I think the spinning, that whole spinning thing is a wonderful addition. I think gifts are great. I think eggs in concept are good if they would put interesting things in the eggs. I would have walked away from the game a long time ago if they hadn't done so many things right.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's uh, again core of all of what we were saying to before is that being critical is just because it is great, and it has all these potential, uh, you know, things that seem obvious to us.
1: But I mean, we are six years in, mm-hmm. and it's getting dull. Like community day, I'm there for three hours, but mostly after an hour, I'm just clicking my ball and catching whatever, and just talking to people. And it is it, it, at that point is an abstract thing. Right. Clicking my pokeball plus, I go in when it says it's full. See if I got any Chinese. Dump them. And I'm just talking to people.
0: Yeah, and it truly becomes a companion app instead of a game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, I don't think that's what they want from their game. I think they really need to look at six years in, how are you going to revitalize what you're doing? Absolutely. Or let it be a companion app, but then treat it like a companion
0: app. Yeah. Cut down animations, things like that. Send all, you know, open uh, GIFs. All these quality of life changes that people are asking for that aren't yeah. there because it increases your your time at screen yeah. time with the app, right? Yeah. So... That's right. <laughs> well, this has been an incredible. It's <laughs> been a long time. It, it's been almost two <laughs> hours in the recording. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for for your time and your, your uh, honesty and straightforwardness, which I was expecting because I'm familiar with the way you podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> this has been really, really fun. Thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to yep. uh, push anything, plug anything. Go for it.
1: Alright, so listen. If you like actual play podcasts, please do listen to Very Random Encounters. I am incredibly proud of that show. I love doing it. Pick up my games if you wish. Uh, There's Glitter Hearts. You can also pick up my other book, The Ultimate Random Encounters book. That one's a lot easier to find because it's on Amazon. You can find everything that I do. I link it off my Twitter, which is at White Wing on Twitter. I link to pretty much everything from there. So uh you can find everything and then if you aren't listening to super effective go ahead and give us a shot you can listen to three old men argue about pokemon for an hour and a half every week
0: can confirm it's great (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we constantly promote it's super effective because we're fans and like you know lured up other pokemon go podcasts this this podcasting sphere is spectacular yeah so um, there's a lot
1: of great creators out there and you should give them all a shot
0: really absolutely
1: just see, and honestly, we're not for everybody. No no harm, no foul. Just, if you're going to leave a review, don't call me out specifically in the review. It hurts my feelings.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that to Greg. <laughs> don't do that to anybody. Well, ca- call Steve out because he finds it you funny. Can call Steve out. Yeah, he's like, why did somebody write this? I don't care. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, great. Thank you again so much for coming on. It's been great to kind of talk about Pokemon from a general perspective and then kind of dip into Go. Yeah. Actually, we didn't just dip into Go. We talked quite a bit about Go.
1: We talked, about, we talked a lot about Go. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh, so this has been great. I, I hope we have another opportunity in the future. And thanks again. Thank you. I'd love to be back. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, gocastpodcast.com, at gocastpodcast on Twitter, mail at gocastpodcast.com, all that good stuff. And like I said before, we will have everything mentioned here linked in the show notes. So if you want more Greg that's going to be uh, a good. And
1: who doesn't?
0: Exactly. I did. That's why I was like, let's do an interview. <laughs> uh, it'll be a great beginning index to some of the content, but I would encourage you to take a look at everything and help support another content creator in our fandom and beyond. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.